Are you a woman, person of color, or a member of some other historically marginalized community who's sick and tired of shrinking to fit into spaces that weren't designed for you? If you're ready to surround yourself with people who think big and you want to get inspired by women who are bold enough to write their own rules, you're in the right place. Welcome to the Build Your Own Table podcast, where we spotlight powerhouse women who got tired of waiting for someone to give them a seat at the table, so they built their own. This is an inclusive space where you can come to listen, get inspired, and make some new connections to help you take that next step into living your best life. I'm your host, Nakia Gray. Welcome to the show. Okay, I am delighted to have the Dr. Frederica Brooks Davis here. I am going to read your short bio before I... Um, before we get started. Okay. So Dr. Frederica Brooks Davis serves as the executive director and founder of the Restoration Center, Inc., a professional counseling and training center located in good old Prince George's County, Maryland. In 2012, Dr. Brooks Davis began consulting in both the public and private sector as the founder of Destiny Empowerment and Consulting Services, LLC, In 2014, she began serving as the president and co-founder of the Brooks Davis Institute for Brain Cancer Awareness. Dr. Brooks Davis earned a Bachelor of Arts degree in psychology from Clark Atlanta University in Atlanta, Georgia, a Master's of Art degree in community counseling from Eastern Michigan University in, now I'm not even going to try to say, what's the name of this city? Ypsilanti. Ypsilanti, that sounds exotic. Okay. <laughs> and a Master of Arts degree and Doctor of Psychology degree in clinical psychology, specializing in program development and consult- consultation from Regent University in Virginia Beach, Virginia. She is a psychology associate in the state of Maryland. <laughs> okay, this resume is so everyone can see that we are dealing with someone who knows their stuff. So Dr. Frederica Brooks-Davis, I would like to thank you and welcome you um, to this interview. I I can't wait for people to hear. You can hear that you've done a lot. And so I know I like to use the term multi-passionate. And so I think that that is perfectly describes you. You are passionate about many things and you have found a way to build businesses around those. So start by just telling us, you know, what got you started in entrepreneurship? What made you want to be an entrepreneur? I would say I would credit my aunt. Uh, When I was a child, I visited her in North Carolina and she was in private practice as a social worker. And my cousin, her son at the time was a baby and was born with some health challenges. And I was able to witness her flexibility of being an entrepreneur, taking care of my cousin and also seeing her patient because she was a social worker. Um, And so that early on, and then I just think in my family in general, I was able to witness and see entrepreneurs who may have had full-time, had their own business on the side, or owned their own business. So that's really what I would say piqued my interest. And then from there, it really was, for me, a call uh, when I was 16 to develop, after working and volunteering, I should say, at the local Boys and Girls Club and working in community, wanting to create something that would help community. And I really believed in and was led to to start that. So that was at 16. That's that's really when 
the juices, if you will, really started flowing. Wow. So let me ask you this. When you graduated and after you got, you know, all these degrees, because you are very well educated, <laughs> did you, have you ever worked for someone or did you go directly into private practice? No. So I did. I worked with several different organizations along the way um, that were very instrumental and I learned a lot. Like they always knew. It's interesting because even in the jobs that I've had, say, for example, at Bowie State University, I started in one job and within six months, they asked me to develop a university-wide mentoring program. So even when I have worked for other organizations, opportunities have just come to me to build something. So that has always been exciting. So what made you start? What made me start? When, you, when you were at your last employer, mm -hmm. what made you say, okay, this is it. I think I'm ready to, to, to open up my own so that's, that's a great question. I think it wasn't necessarily, it was always that mm. this center was to be since I was 16. So I carried that along with me. It was just a matter really of in 2007, because the vision at 16 was one that had never been done before, or at least that I was not aware of connecting a counseling center with the African-American church. So being that that was an anomaly, it really was being patient and waiting to align with the right person. And I so would. my journey is such that I moved from Michigan to Maryland because while attending a service, the Lord said, this is the person who is going to birth the counseling center to partner with. Did not wow. know was not a member of the denomination, stranger. But I knew, so that's why I moved to Maryland from Michigan, because that's where from 16, this is the church and the pastor, more importantly, who's on a birthday. And so from there, uh, I moved to Maryland in 1999, worked at Bowie State and then in other organizations, went back to school in 2003. And then in 2006, well, actually, when I was leaving to go to school in 03, the pastor of the church said, stay in touch. And in 2007, the year before I graduated, uh, we began working on birthing this partnership between uh, myself and the church, Free Temple. And that's what birthed the Restoration Center. Okay, so tell us about Restoration Center. What is it that you, what, what do you do? And are you still partnered with the church? So great. So when I started Restoration Center, I knew as an entrepreneur and had learned from previous experience that when you partner with an organization, it's good to partner as a consultant. So I partnered with Restoration as a consultant mm -hmm. because the model of Restoration was something that I wanted to hold on to. Mm -hmm. And so we partnered in 2007, and the vision always was for the center, like the other nonprofits with the church, to become self-sufficient. And so in 2019, it was at that point when both the church and Restoration Center's board of directors decided it was time for us to separate. Um, so the church was our initial funder. We are a professional counseling center, and we offer individual, couple, marriage, family counseling. We have done conferences. We've done trainings. We host comedy cafes. Uh, and so we've been in schools. Uh, we have done a lot of work, and then we're also a training center. So for students who are pursuing their master's or doctoral degree in psychology, social worker counseling, we provide supervision and training. And 
so that is exciting to see that we have helped to nurture future clinicians um, and are still doing that to this day. So uh, in 19, again, we separated from Reed Temple. We still have a relationship with them, of course, um, but we are now separate. So we were the Reed Temple Restoration Center. We rebranded and we are now the Restoration Center. I love this. So tell me, how did that feel for you, right? You know, I know a lot of times, you know, our brand identity, when we are tied to, and, and for, for anyone who is not familiar with Reed Temple, it is, a, it is a very, you know, powerful megachurch here in the DMV area who has, you know, major influence, a lot of impact. So I can imagine, you know, that partnership was, was exciting. Mm -hmm. And so when you um, when you got to this place where, and, and I'm assuming, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, that it was a mutual decision that, you know oh. what, um, our season here is completed and we are going to grow our own legs. We're going to rebrand and stand our, our own two brand feet, right? <laughs> How did that feel? You being the head of this, what mm -hmm. what what emotions came up from, for you during that? Was there any feeling of, can I do this? Can I? Can I stand on my own? Will we be able to be successful? Talk us through how you came to that decision and how, what impact that had on, on, on restoration. You know, I think it's one of those things, again, for me, I knew that it was time. Mm. And in that, I believed, I did not have the answers of how it was going to work out. And of course, certainly it could be intimidating because we had Reed Temple supporting us. They were a major funder for us. But it was also one of those situations where we had done and run the course we were supposed to with this partnership. And so gotcha. now it is time for us to move forward and see what we can do um, independent of Reed Temple. It was a blessing because it was mutual. Um, when we provided our closing, my last presentation to the officers and leaders and members of the church, um, we were blessed that we got a standing ovation and they were like, go forth. Um, it felt good to know that what we promised we would deliver, we did. Um, so I think that was helpful. And then we've had the support of members and leaders of the church, even in coming and blessing our new site. So while we're mm -hmm. not with within the church anymore, we still have the support. And so that means a whole lot. Um, that says a lot about you though, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't want to gloss over that. Mm -hmm. I want you to I want you to really um, give yourself the flowers in that because not every leader, that doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. I dare to say a lot of times with churches, okay? Yeah. Um, and so for you to have had the impact that you've had there, for them to give you your blessing to and to to send you off to flourish mm -hmm. and to continue to have the support and continue to have a relationship that's major mm -hmm. that says a lot about you and it says a lot about the fact that you know the call mm -hmm. that you had and um the vision that you were giving given where that came from and that you were obedient to follow that because when you do that when those things align mm -hmm. it all yeah. works <laughs> yeah it does. And I, th and I think even more so, you know, for entrepreneurs, um, whatever, if you are a person of faith or whatever your belief system is, for me, 
you know, really, while all of this was great and it was on wonderful terms, I still was like, okay, Lord, I don't know what you're going to do and how this going to work, but I know that you're going to do it. And so yeah. I think in that from 16 years old to being able to see how God put me in a situation where I didn't know anyone to then birth this um, adult, and it was challenging. Right. Um, so let, cause let, let me go back. I want to stick a pin in that, right? Because this wasn't your hometown church. No, not, <laughs> not even my not, denomination, not yeah, even my I mean, denomination. So wow. I grew up Baptist. So I literally had no connect if you will, within this mega church, as you said, I didn't even know about Retemple. Like, it was not even on my radar. And the, my pri previous churches, the pastors were, they all knew about this vision. It was like, particularly when you finish school, you can come back here. So I had open doors in familiar places. Mm -hmm. This was an unfamiliar place, but this <laughs> was a place where God said, this is the person that is going to birth and move forward. And so that that's what happened. I want you to talk a little bit about the importance of the counseling center. Why did you feel, what about this partnership? Because churches are places that are already doing that, right? Mm -hmm. To a certain degree. Mm -hmm. What is it about having a, um, having a counseling center at a church, why do you think that's important? Hmm. Great question. So what I saw growing up often was a lot of church hurt. And there is counseling biblical that occurs in churches, not professional though. Yes. And historically, our churches, pastors have often discourage people to go into counseling, particularly in the African-American community. It's been bring your concerns to the altar. And as a kid, it was always interesting for me to see people go to the altar every Sunday. Because I'm like, you go on Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. You mean the same people? So, right, the same people. So it's like, okay, now we believe in God. Where is this disconnect? What's happening here? Yes. And so you saw people hurting they were quote unquote going for counseling, but not really getting what I believed was needed. Also, these same persons who showed up on Sundays are members of the community. Right. And so in community, we have all of these challenges that are happening. And oftentimes we show up in community and we wear the nice clothes, we got on our makeup, all that's great. But inside, it's a lot of turmoil. And I just right. continue to see that being perpetuated in the community. The yeah. church, I would say, why the church? Um, other than it being a call, the church is also the place. I, I say persons who have control to some degree over your mental state are powerful people. And oftentimes everyone who's placed in a position of power, they don't always guard that position, if you will. Okay. And so my You goal are preaching on the, you are preaching on this thing here. Okay. <laughs> So, I just got chills from you saying that because it's so true. Yeah, so it was like, we go into church. That's where the people are going. So if they're showing up there, how can we also show up in a way in which we can bring the spiritual, the mental, the physical, the whole person mm -hmm. and bring about change and transformation? So that's how that all came together. I love that. At 
and and here here's what you said in a nutshell here here's what you you said but you didn't say but i want to say it because i want people to hear this because a lot of the issues and things that we need mm -hmm. in order to transform our lives to get through the trauma to get through the pain to get to the other side there need there there's there's a licensed trained professional can give you what pastor can't always do as even the most well-intentioned ordained right. pastor mm -hmm. right and so I think that um and I love that you know you were you were you know at 16 years old you were way before your time and mm -hmm. I and I feel that you know now uh, you know first of all restoration and what you did with uh Reed Temple laid the foundation for what we're seeing even today right those conversations are being had more. It is becoming more acceptable. It used to be a just pray about it. Okay. Let me lay my hands on you. And, uh -huh. and, and like you said, but then they back the next week, right? Okay. Because okay. sometimes there is, um, and you know, my aunt said to me, I went to therapy for the very first time in my life last year. Okay. And my aunt said to me, God created therapists for a reason. And I was like, you know what? You're right. You know, because it's bigger. Sometimes yeah. mm -hmm. those things are so much are, are, are bigger than what they can can be handled at church. And so I love that. But let me also say, if I may, the second part of that was not just for parishioners and community. It was also to try to normalize therapy for pastors. Ooh. Because we put our pastors and our leaders on a pedestal. But they have trauma, they have issues, compound issues, and then oftentimes because we have placed them on a pedestal, they don't have a safe space where they can go and talk about, like the reality of it, we know from the research, a lot of pastors, they don't have their own time of devotion. Many of them get discouraged and are like, I'm teaching that, but I'm really feeling depressed. But unfortunately, community hasn't made it such that a pastor can say that, and we still believe they can hear from the Lord. Wow. So part of that work is saying to a parishioner, just like you have struggles, so does the man and woman of God. And we're all in this together, and that it's okay that either of us are seeking help. And in no way does that suggest that we are in alignment with God, because we're human. So that, that's the other piece. It's not just the members. But it's also the leaders as well. And I never even considered it. Never even think about it. Because we think and we expect mm -hmm. it's a man of God. He don't have, he don't have these problems. That's right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, yes, he does. Oh, yes, he does. And he more. Does <laughs> and more. Exactly. Oh, my goodness. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. Because that, mm -hmm. is, that is so powerful. That is so powerful. I didn't even think about it. I have never thought about it mm -hmm. until you just said that. Um, okay, so you've got this successful project that happens with um, this partnership. You mm -hmm. come out, you're on your own. Mm -hmm. You are still doing that great work. In addition, you have you have really skyrocketed your impact because mm -hmm. you know restoration only has X number of clinicians, mm -hmm. which means there's only X number of people that can be. Um, that can go through your programs, right? Mm -hmm. So when you start to do the training mm -hmm. and the mentoring mm -hmm. of other clinicians that may work through, go through restoration or mm -hmm. may not, mm -hmm. how many more people, how is the community 
truly impacted. Mm -hmm. How does that feel for you? Was that a part of of your decision to start to do the, the training? What made you want to expand in that way? Because there are less than 2% like of African-American clinicians. So less I, it's two. not just enough to be, to serve the community, but it's also about leaving a legacy of other clinicians mm -hmm. who have been exposed to the work that we do at Restoration, that we make sure that we are cultivating competent, culturally competent and relevant clinicians to speak to community. So it's not just enough to show up African-American. No, you have a greater responsibility to understand all facets of our community. Um, and so in that, that is probably what gives me the greatest joy is working with our young men and women um, who are coming along and who have said they want to serve um, and showing them from beginning to end. So what I often hear from our, clini our clinicians, our students, is that they learn the business side. Like I help right. them to see, because you came in saying you want to own your own business. You want to be a clinician in private practice. Let me show you what that's really like. And so, you know, teaching them like if there's trash on the ground, we pick that up. There is no job too big or small for us. And this is what it comes with. So some have left and they still want to pursue. Others have said after seeing this and billing, yeah, I'm not, I, I have no desire. But I think also the blessing has been that we have had a number of our interns to return and work at Restoration. And so they still want to be a part of what God is doing through Restoration. And so that's exciting as well. Yes, I love that. And and because he, here's the truth, you know, I, we, we all say this about entrepreneurship. You and I have had this conversation many times. Everybody thinks they want to be an entrepreneur and they think they want to be their own boss. But you are wearing whatever it is that you do, whether you're a clinician, an attorney, an accountant, a, you know, a, a, a stylist, an event planner, whatever it is you do, you do that, but you are also sales, That's marketing, right. IT, right. custodian. I mean, you, you're everything. You're HR, That's every right. department, because every successful business has to have all those departments, right? right? And if it's just you, you are wearing all of those hats until you <laughs> begin to build a team. And so, um, and I, I love that you said that. And for them to get to see that, I think in this country, there is not enough of that. I know in law school, you know, they taught us how to be lawyers, but they didn't tell us how to run a law firm, mm -hmm. right? And I'm sure that's the same, you know, with your with your students, that the business side of it, that's a whole nother ball of wax. It is. Yes, it is. Okay. Yes, it is. I am interrupting today's show to invite you to join me at the Monetization Blueprint Mastermind, a one-day in-person mastermind in Washington, D.C. on December 28, 2022. During the Monetization Blueprint, I am going to show you exactly what you need to do to create reliable recurring income in 2023 without worrying about the recession. I want you to join me to learn how you can package your education, your experience, and your expertise into valuable intellectual property that sets you on the path to generating wealth, even during these shaky economic times. Now, I know they're telling us not to spend our money, that a recession is coming, but here's what I know. The answer to getting through a recession is to take advantage of every opportunity to increase your revenue. During the monetization blueprint, I am going to cover three core areas that are directly tied to how much money you will make. This is not fluff. This is not theory. 
I'm going to give you clear and specific direction on what you need to do right now, plus everything you need to stop doing to set yourself up for a record-breaking revenue year. I want you to go to the link in the show notes to learn more and to save your seat. Now, back to the show. Um, okay, so then you, so, so in comes destiny. Yes. Tell us about destiny. So destiny is really about helping persons, number one, know that they have one. That just, I believe everyone is born with a purpose. And so if you don't know what that purpose is for you individually or for your business, your ministry, I want to come alongside and help you. But then if you don't know, that you have a destiny. You just think I'm just here for the purposes of being here. So come along and support that. And so through the work of destiny, I do a lot of speaking to uh, large audiences, smaller audiences, but I've also partnered with churches and other organizations who may say, well, a counseling center, maybe not so much, but we believe that we need to do something from a mental health perspective. Yeah. And so coming along and helping them develop programs right now, working with a church in, a, in North Carolina to help them develop and shape a counseling center based on the needs in that community. And so I think that, that really seeing people's light bulbs go off mm-hmm. is what excites me. And that's the work of destiny. Okay, so you know I'm going to put a pin in this right here, right? <laughs> so let's go back because just in case people didn't catch this. So you started out mm-hmm. with restoration mm-hmm. and a partnership with a mega church to build a counseling center there. Right. And so part of your expertise and your experience, which equals your IP, your intellectual property, you know the step-by-step process by which a church can open a counseling center. Am I right? Are you with me? I am with you. (laughs) And so now y'all know the part that excites me (laughs) is that you have now packaged that IP (laughs) into a consulting program by which you can duplicate those efforts (laughs) at any church that you choose that you want to work with. That's right. I hope the people are getting this. That isn't that like, isn't that exciting? <laughs> it is. It's exciting. You, because you know it, mm-hmm. you're not guessing. Right. There's no guesswork. You know, okay, if you do this, mm-hmm. then you do this, and then you do this, mm-hmm. and then you do this, mm-hmm. and then you do this, mm-hmm. you're going to have, you're going to have counseling center. Mm-hmm. If you mess up and do this, this is what's going to happen. Yeah. And so don't do this, but do this instead. And you'll have a counseling center at your mm-hmm. church. Mm-hmm. Isn't the world of intellectual property just great? It is very much so. Good. So tell tell us how did you? Well, let me ask you this before I say how. Did you have any reservations or skepticism around whether or not you were equipped or qualified to do this for another church? I would say no. And I say that because of the journey that I've had in building. Restoration wasn't the first model, if you will, that I created. My first one was a mentoring program for Bowie State. 
And so then once I did that, presented at conferences on that and had other HBCUs that we want that over here. Oh, then, wait, wait, I got to stop because I want the people to get this. Mm-hmm. So this experience that you mm-hmm. have mm-hmm. Uh, began and was cultivated when you worked for someone else. That's correct. Yeah. Now, okay. having said that, to yep. Miss Gray and her, well, she knows about this IP. What I did not have was a, a locked in lawyer program in my life at that time. To know and understand that when you work for somebody else and you develop a program, it belongs to who you work for. Yes. So I was reminded of that or share that information when I was leaving to go to school. And they said, okay, this is great. We have these coming in to see this program, but this program belongs to Bowie State. And so it was, okay, great. That was a wonderful lesson that I try to help and share with entrepreneurs now. So because of that lesson, when it came to restoration, it was like, okay, I I, I know when it came to Reed Temple, yeah, (laughs) yeah, no. This baby's been with me since I was 16. So this is how we have to proceed here. And now I have the wisdom from that experience to, to then know moving forward why it's important to protect your intellectual property. Yes, yeah. I love that. And that is such a, that's a point that a lot of times people just don't know. And it's okay mm-hmm. to not know it, but soon yeah, as right. you learn it, yeah. you you're in, you feel empowered. That's right. That's you feel right. empowered because it's like, okay, I am writing the rules to this story, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And that is, that, is a, that is a huge difference. I can't say that, you know, going back to your days at Bowie State, that it could have been any different because they were giving you a paycheck. That's right. And so that it just is what it is. Well, it it was, and you know what? Bowie State gave me a paycheck, but more than the paycheck, they gave me an opportunity, right? They trusted me enough to say, we want you to build this program. You take it, you inform us. And so that experience is something that is extremely invaluable, right? Because and, that, and that, it's still serving you to this day. That's exactly right. And so back to your initial point, it was some it was because of that experience that I then had the wisdom, the experience, but also the confidence. So yeah. when it came time to partner with Reed Temple, I've been there before. Different right. topics same situation in many ways yeah yes yes and that is you know that is so key because not everyone has that you know for for many of us there's a there is this little voice that's Mm -hmm. saying who she thinks she is Mm -hmm. oh yeah how's she gonna do that that's right ain't nobody gonna ain't no church gonna pay her that's let's right. talk about that. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about that, right? Um, because, you know, how do you feel about that? You know, if this is your calling, yeah. Dr. Frederica, yeah. the the Lord gave this to you. Yeah. The Lord is guiding you. Yeah. Should you be paid for that or no? Oh, okay. Oh, or yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I think it's a couple of things, quite frankly, and I think this is also cultural. Some of it is, okay, you are coming, because part of my dissertation was looking at would pastors, would they collaborate with psychologists? 
And so when we control for education, we saw that the higher level of education a pastor had, just within my sample, the more they were willing to partner with the psychologist. So it is also, does she have an MD? And I asked, um, she's a female. So then you're dealing, okay, oftentimes with that dynamic going yeah. into a church. So, and then in terms of pay. Now, on Sunday, you might pay a guest preacher to come in and preach for thousands of dollars. Yeah. Okay. Rev Destiny comes in. You want a partner, but you want to take me to lunch. <laughs> I'm confused. And so then to get to a place, yes, the Lord called me to do this, but just as much as you feel called and led and you have personal bills that you have to pay, so do I. Because it, it, your, no your mortgage company is not being paid with the with that lunch that they gave no, you. No, it, okay. no, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> Your confidence is just so attractive to me. And I, it's one of the things that I truly admire about you because that's a struggle area for me sometimes. And just, you know, really walking in to, to me, you, you own your power. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's radiating across the screen right now, you know, and, and how did you get there? How did you do that? Yeah. So I think that it is definitely God's allowing me to be born to the parents that I have, um, the family that I have, the support that, that I have had constant support in that area. I have, uh, as a child, been able to watch them in leadership and their roles and what comes with leadership. So I had the opportunity to witness that. Um, so I think definitely the support system, also my faith, um, and having mentors. You know, I just strongly support and boundaries, right? So I think what I watch on television, what I listen to, I really guard because there's so much negativity out there. Yeah. Um, and it's infused and if we allow society to dictate as an African-American woman who I'm supposed to be, then I have limits. Yeah. But when you uh, surround yourself with people who say there are no limits to what you can do, um, here's where your niche is. And be open to constructive criticism because that's often what the challenge I often see is that unfortunately, some of us won't receive constructive criticism. Mm -hmm. It's like somebody's hating on, they're not hating on you. They and also the maturity to learn. The most overused word yes. is hate, haters. Yes. Because believe it or not, these positions in which I've come, to your point, it really has been one of who does she think she is? I didn't know the right people. I didn't go the same path. And so when God just puts you in those positions, it can be difficult. But you got you don't have to have a lot of people on your team. But right. you have to have the right people on your team. It makes all the difference. Yeah. It makes yeah. all the difference. Because even as, you know, and we say, you know, to to, to children, you know, um, hanging with the wrong crowd, watch who you're hanging around. Yeah. That goes into adulthood. That's exactly right. At this That's big right. age, I am right. very protective yeah. of my space, my circle, yeah. who I allow a seat at my table. That's right. Right? Because it can truly, the next thing you know, you know, um, it, um, a great example, I, was, I had a conversation with a client the other day about um, she's got a friend, my client's an entrepreneur who has a friend who's going through um, a really tough time in her marriage. And she had to set a boundary to say to her, look, I, go to therapy mm -hmm. because 
She said, I'm, I'm starting to look at my husband's side eyes. And now that's coming. Yeah. And, she, and she was a little embarrassed to say it to me. I said, you are human. Yeah. We all can relate to that. When you are, we're all still influential. Yeah. And influenced by other people. And, and when you're allowing that in your space, you there's nothing wrong with you being protective about your that's space. Right. Now, wait yeah. a minute now. Right. I'm going to pray for you, honey. Talk to Jesus or get a, a therapist, but you cannot dump that on me. Yeah, yeah. You that's just right. can't do that. That's and so, right. and there's nothing wrong with that. There is nothing wrong with that. I love that. I love that. Okay. So one, two businesses was not enough. You have another venture. Tell us about the Brooks Davis Center. So Brooks Davis really was birth. Now that was not something that was on my radar at all. Uh, I was married in uh, in two thousand. What year? I was married. <laughs> I was married two thousand eleven. Lord have mercy. And um, got married. Thought did all this work. We got. Um, we have restoration on the way. We have destiny. So now I'm an entrepreneur. Oh, yes, marriage is ready. Like, as the, the type A planner, okay, now I can get married for so yes. happy. And we got married Labor Day weekend, and three months later, my husband was diagnosed with a brain tumor. Wow. And I'm like, okay, wait a minute now, Lord. Okay. Oh, look, this was not nowhere near how in the world did we get here. We have done every, gone to the doctor's school, got married, checked out the whole night. And so one of the things that happened as being a newlywed, is I was available because I'm an entrepreneur and I'm working in that way. I was able to be present for my husband's appointment. And so in that, I was able to see couples, some of them coming by themselves, some of them dropping off their partner, but you're going from doctor's appointment to doctor's appointment to doctor's appointment. The uniqueness of being a newlywed, though, is you are now faced to make major life decisions all at one time. Right. And so there are not, I just felt so isolated with that. Um, so then it was like, okay, Lord, we're not going through this experience just for us. And so what are we to do with this? But the other thing is Teddy and I, we were able to still date. You know, he would have radiation, chemo five days a week. On that fifth day, it's like, sweetie, what do you want to do? Mm. And we would then go and celebrate, go to the movie theater. So we lived and still celebrated. You know, I remember our first wedding anniversary. We took the top of our cake. He was on Ivy. I had an Ivy pole, all of his antibiotics, the top of the wedding cake. I had the um, the chilled uh, apple cider stuff rolling right into the Gaylord Hotel. Wow. for our first anniversary so it was like no matter what we're going to celebrate and we're going to be thankful for every moment and so a give back if you will to other couples is the foundation now my husband was known as the teddy bear so one thing we do is give teddy bears to children who are in the hospital but the other the, the largest portion that i that i'm most excited about is to hold these retreats for couples who are facing a terminal illness yeah. to help them reconnect as a couple because mm -hmm. the doctor's appointments can be so overwhelming and frustrating. Yes. But to give them a space to reconnect and look at their partner and say, we are more than this diagnosis. 
And so that is what the foundation is about. My husband transitioned in 2014, but the work continues. And so in this way, I see it as a way we co-founded the organization together. That's what I was going to ask you was, did you, were you, did you found this organization prior to his transition? We did. Yes, we sure did. We founded the organization in 2012. Uh, We were married in 2011. He was diagnosed December of 2011. Yeah. Wow. And he passed in 2014. That's right. July 11th of 2014. Wow. What a pillar of strength and what an honor for you to carry on his legacy in this way. I mean, that is just, you have a heart of gold. You know, you are one of my absolute favorite people in the entire world. Um, For those that don't know, I actually met Dr. Frederica back when um, her husband was was living. He was my client. That's right. (laughs) Actually. And um, and, and that felt, it feels like eons ago because I don't even practice in that practice area anymore. I was working at a law firm. Um, I wasn't even, I was not who you see today. Okay. Um, And just even then we just, we just always connected and, and to say, I have many clients that I connect with on, on that level, but there were, there was a long period of time where you weren't my client anymore. We were just good. We just had this connection. And so when I made um, the pivot to doing um, business and you had several businesses Mm -hmm. and it's just been, you know, a pleasure from there. And and I talk a lot about ideal clients and who are dream clients. And, And Dr. Frederica is certainly one of mine. She is my, she is my num- my A1 from day one. She listens. She values what I have to say. And that is, uh, that just feels so good. You know, you, you, you do, you, you listen, you, even when you don't always agree, you might say, mm, I don't know about that, but, but you still value um, mm-hmm. the advice and you're just, you, I, I don't know how you have time and how your heart is big enough to give all that you give to your clients and patients, to these organizations. And I mean, when I tell you the, the roster of organizations, we're not talking about little old Nakia, little gray legal, okay? Her mm-hmm. being here today, this is small time, okay? Whatever. She's a big fish. Whatever. And she is speaking to national audiences. I mean, she's big time. How she, and she goes and delivers these, they, and they want her back constantly she is in demand how you find the time and the bandwidth to do that is just beyond me and I think you are amazing I am so grateful to have met you I am grateful to be able to watch you continue your husband's legacy which I just it just touches touches my heart so thank you so much um for for all that you do before we go I would like to have you share I'm asking I love to ask this question of entrepreneurs because from the outside looking in, people think, oh, she got it going on. She got three businesses. She's rocking and rolling. She's working with these churches. She's speaking on stages. She's doing all these things. And you're, and we're at, uh, you said 2017? Mm-hmm. No, 2007 was the start of restoration. restoration. Mm-hmm. So you've got some years under your belt here, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what would you say if you had to give us one misstep, one thing that you did that you just shouldn't have did, done, you've learned from it, but you shouldn't have done it. 
or that you wish you had done or wish you had done sooner? What is your biggest lesson that you would say in entrepreneurship? I would say in entrepreneurship, the biggest lesson or what I would have done is required more paid people on my team when I began the work. Um, Because when you show up and God gives you the ability to do multiple things and you're the only person doing it, then it's sometimes undervalued. And so when you ask for help, um, it doesn't always come. And so that for me, because there were huge sacrifices that I made. Like there's a lot that restoration was able to do, but we could have done more had we had additional support. So what I say now to entrepreneurs in that lesson is when you're going in for a partnership, when you're going in with an organization, you need to know who needs to be on that team and require that before you accept the responsibility alone. In my other businesses, I don't have the bandwidth at this time to have this huge team, but I have developed support systems so that I'm not doing it alone. So I think that is the biggest thing. You got to have a team. And I yes. tell every entrepreneur, you before you launch your business, you have to be able to afford a Nakia Great Legal Service <laughs> and an accountant. Those yes. two you have yes. got had no if you don't have anything else, forget the marketing and all that other yes. stuff, that'll come. But you gotta have those two, an attorney yes. and an accountant. Absolutely. Absolutely. Best advice. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. I want you to share with people if they want to connect with you, because I'm sure they will. Mm-hmm. Um, where can people find you on social media? So I'm on Instagram and Facebook. I have this wonderful person, uh, I think Miss Gray knows her, who also encourages me to do more on social media, <laughs> but I am at Dr. Frederica on Facebook and Instagram. I'm there sometimes, not as often as I need to be, but my website is uh, drfrederica.com, and you can complete a form there, and certainly I'll be in touch with you. All right. Thank you so much. I so appreciate you. This has been amazing, as I knew it would. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for the opportunity. I hope you enjoyed today's show. And if you did, remember to hit subscribe and head over to buildyourowntablepodcast.com to stay updated and connected with me. I'm Nakia Gray. I'll see you next time.